Have you ever wondered what functional mental toughness is and how it's related to behavior change? Well, keep listening. Hey there, welcome to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, your source for all things sports nutrition related. This show is hosted by myself, Bob Siebelhar, and my awesome co-host, Dina Griffin. We are both registered dietitians who are board-certified specialists in sport dietetics with combined professional experience exceeding 40 years. We are here to translate nutrition and sports science research to real life and give you some awesome interviews with a variety of experts so you can enhance your knowledge and optimize your health, fitness, and athletic performance. On today's episode, we are sitting down and talking with Dr. Brad Cooper. Brad is the CEO of Catalyst Coaching 360, and he's also the podcast host of Catalyst 360. We sit down, we chat with him regarding this functional mental toughness, what it is, how to develop it, how to hone in on it, And we talk about it relative to behavior change and how the concept of freed will can actually help you move forward in your health and fitness journey. Dr. Brad is such an amazing resource and he's super, super knowledgeable. In fact, at one point in his career, just a few years ago, he was labeled as the world's fittest CEO. So he is an ultra endurance athlete and kind of knows his way around that, but he also has a PhD in functional mental toughness. So a little bit more about him before we get on with the episode. He is the CEO of Catalyst Coaching 360, which was founded in 2007 to provide best-in-class board-certified health, wellness, and performance coaching for employee of organizations nationwide. In addition, their Catalyst Coaching Institute is one of the nation's top programs for those looking to earn their NBHWC-approved health and wellness coach certification. Brad has spoken professionally in all 50 states and across Europe, is the host of the popular Catalyst 360 podcast, and is an elite masters runner, 11-time Ironman finisher, four at Kona, and was featured in the film Godspeed, The Race Across America after winning the two-person event. Amazing. He spent his life as a human performance junkie, earning four college degrees, including a PhD, to help individuals enhance their personal and professional lives. He's crazy about his bride of 31 years, loves being a dad to his three kids, and gramps to their new granddaughter. We are so excited to have Dr. Brad Cooper on this episode talking about functional mental toughness. And now, on to the episode. Well, I'm going to have to first state the common element between the three of us, Colorado State University. Woohoo! Go hey. Rams! Go, Ra- Go Rams! <laughs> Anyways, Dr. Bradford Cooper, we are so honored to have you on our show. Welcome. It's great to be here. It's good to see you guys. It's been a while and uh, I've been looking forward to this. Since I last saw you in person, a lot has changed in our world, but also with your Mm. professional developments. And I just wanted to thank you for all that you offer in the health, wellness, performance realm for coaches and athletes. It's just amazing resource that you have with your podcast and your, your health and wellness coaching company, certification company, and all the resources. So thank you for that. I wondered if we could start, for those who may not be familiar with you, you had uh, this designation given to you or appointed to you as the world's fittest CEO. 
And I know that was <laughs> a few years back, but I wondered if you could give some backstory of how you earned or uh, became titled as such. Yeah, I think they were debating between world's fittest CEO and world's craziest CEO <laughs> um, based on what led to it. I I had an opportunity, a, a buddy of mine, Jerry Schemmel, many of you know him, he's the announcer for the Rockies, had reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to do this race across America thing? And I had never heard of it, first of all. And then when he explained it, of course, I didn't want to do that. That's that's terrible. That sounds awful. <laughs> that you're you're starting in on the West Coast. You're riding your bike with one other person. Somebody's always on the bike for, in our case, seven days and nine hours. I think to uh, Annapolis, Maryland, where the finish line is. You're riding through the night in the rain, in the lightning. They ended up doing a movie about it because they thought we might have a chance. They followed us along and, and did this film. And I can send a link for that if you want. But um, so so when he reached out, I was like, no, I, that doesn't make I don't have any interest in I'm a triathlete. I don't ride a bike. I mean, <laughs> I ride, but no more than 130 you know, miles, maybe, and mm-hmm. probably usually not even that far. And, and he's like, well, you know, it's only 3000 miles. I'm like, yeah, but. That's more than 130. So anyway, (laughs) we ended up doing that. So as we set that up, I was starting to think, okay, this is once in a lifetime. I'm never going to have a chance to do this again. What could make this year like over the top? And like I said, I was enjoying triathlons at the time. I thought, well, let's see if I can qualify for the Hawaii Ironman. And let's see if I can run a sub three-hour marathon. I was 49 years old at the time, all in the same year. And, And let's see. And on paper, as you both know, Things look much easier on paper than reality <laughs> turns out to be. So I was like, oh, this is this is a piece of cake. I'm in good running shape. I'll do a marathon in January. And then the Race Across America is in July. And then I'll do an Ironman, you know, early fall. We'll be good to go. And I'll have time as a backup if, if something falls through. So no problem. Going to be a piece of cake. And then I get a stress fracture or something on my foot. So marathon's out. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll just focus on the, the race across America. A lot of cycling, you can do that with stress fracture, blah, blah, blah. So I wind up, I'm all ready for the the uh, race across America. And six weeks before I get in a bike wreck, a goose flies <sighs> into my wheels. I'm out doing some, I think it was five by 10 mile time trial work. And I wake up, ambulance is there, eight fractures, ribs, clavicle, pelvis. and And so- no swimming. I, I, they, I had amazing doctors and a huge credit to to the medical team I was working with. The pelvic fractures were not, they, they were non-displaced. So they really took their time and analyzed, can you get on the bike if you're okay with that? And they decided, yes, but you have to do it indoors. You can't, because if oh. you were to, if you were to fall, then you shatter this thing. Yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. if you're in your basement, Brad, you can train. So I did that, but no swimming, no running. And so there's my, oh, I'll be ready for the triathlon because I'll train for Ram, but I'll be running and swimming at the same time. And eh, that's out. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we do Race Across America. We end up winning it. And um, I'm like, okay, I still have time. I'll do this Ironman. It crashed and burned, not literally crashed this time, but mm-hmm. I was not ready coming out of Ram to run and swim. So. That didn't work out. So anyway, long story short, end up uh, Ram in in late June, early July, and then found an Ironman in, I think, October. I think it was Florida. So what is that? Early November. And ended up getting the spot there. And then I I had like a a little tiny window to get that marathon in. And my son and I, he was a big runner. And we're like, hey, let's, let's drive to Oklahoma 
and do the Route 66 marathon. He'll do the half. I'll do the full. We'll see if I can sneak into three hours. It's my last chance. So our daughter's birthdays are November 20th, November 23rd. So we celebrated uh, Ashley's birthday on the 20th. And then Josh and I hopped in the car the next morning at like 4 a.m., drove to Oklahoma, (laughs) ran the marathon, got our stuff that night, barely got our T-shirts and all. Got up next morning, ran the race, hopped back in the car, got back for our, our other daughter, Danielle's birthday, and and I ran a 259.48. So not oh a lot God. of software there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, long story short, people thought either fit a CEO or weird a CEO. And, and so anyway, that caught some fire. So it was a combination of those three within six months, including the, wow. the wow. bike wreck with the eight fractures. So Oh, uh, my gosh. So- well, and kind of fittest and craziest or whatever we want. To call it. It, it usually goes hand in hand. Yeah, Let's just call there, it what it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll buy that. And yeah, wait, yeah. you t- you went, I know you had to just do a quick overview of that, but can you say how long some of those trainer rides were when you were recovering? From yeah, so I was working with Matt Smith. Some of you know Matt, mm-hmm. awesome yeah. guy, great coach. And so we put some crazy stuff together and, and one of the, training things that I would do because when you're doing RAM, for those of you who aren't familiar with RAM, you have, you have a partner, you can do it many different ways. There can be an eight person team, which are oftentimes corporate team building things. Cause you only end up riding mm-hmm. whatever, 150 miles over a week. Um, and then there's four person teams, there's two person teams, and then there's a few real psychopaths that do the, the single one. <laughs> but anyway, we were in the two person thing. And so I knew I would be riding 12 to 15 hours a day and so you can't you can't fully prepare for that when you have a full-time job when you're running a company yeah. but but you can you can fiddle with it. So what we would do is I would take Friday off from work and I'd ride 12 hours Friday, 10 hours Saturday and 8 hours Sunday. So again, <laughs> it it wasn't it wasn't like ram because you're sleeping normal. You're eating yeah. normal. Yeah. You're indoors. Still. There's no rain, yeah. there's no wind. But it yeah. was a good preparation because it was also 12 hours straight versus mm-hmm. Ram where I might do an hour on hour off or two hours on mm-hmm. two hours off. This was 12 hours straight Friday, 10 hours straight Sunday or Saturday and eight hours. So I would basically get 30 hours in over three days and I could test the fueling. I'd have some humorous pictures with like all this food sitting on, on this table next to my bike. But yes, that was all indoors because of the fractures. So uh, that made for some, some entertaining things. And, and we may get into this a little bit later with the FMT stuff, but um, I would try to do things in that setting that would set up for Ram. So I, I got this target and I set it right there in front of me. So I'm down in the arrow position. I'm staring at this target. I'd turn off TV, radio, podcast, no friends around, nothing. It was just me and the target. And I would just stare at that. And I would try to focus on the bullseye as long as I possibly could. And then when I get distracted, when my mind would wander, I just do a reset and I think, okay, how's your fuel? How's your posture? How's your mm-hmm. positioning? Are you comfortable? Uh, how's your breathing? And then I, I do those kind of checklists and then I come back to the center. I'd focus on it again. And I tried to build that time frame up from maybe 60 seconds to start with to where I was able to sustain that for longer periods. Wow. It's amazing. I mean, honestly, and, and you know, listeners, we're not we're not talking about Ram on this episode <laughs> or Iron Man or anything, but but it's it's so like this really sets the foundation, Brad. And what I want to kind of highlight 
is your path because we're talking about we're talking about mental uh toughness functional mental toughness but before we hit that this is what i want our listeners to understand because they're going to be like how and why are you guys talking about this like we're well, they're trying to <laughs> trying to kind of connect the dots I I appreciate you for so many reasons, but, but one in particular is your education path. Right. And, and it's, it's so like, I remember when I heard Brad was getting his PhD later in life, I'm like, my first thought was, is this guy crazy? And that lasted for like a half a second because I'm like, oh no, that's totally something I would do. And I still want to do even, you know, in my fifth decade, but take it quickly. Like, cause you started out in athletic training, physical therapy. Can you just take us on that path? So listeners understand why we're going to be talking about this functional mental toughness. Yeah. So I have four college degrees. I love to learn super curious. Um, my wife has three college degrees. So between us, we have seven, we love love supporting schools. We Mm -hmm. are our library here at home. We've got over a thousand books. We've probably given (laughs) a thousand away. So you know, uh, that's just us. And and that's just you two. Also, you're always absorbing, you're curious, you're trying to, yeah. to glean this information. And so I started off, uh, well, uh, originally, I was going to be an accountant. Now, that would have been a disaster. Oh, my, oh my. But my dad was an accountant. So I thought, well, you know, I, I don't know any different. And he seems like he's going pretty good. So maybe I'll do that. That didn't last. And so then I thought I'd be a coach <laughs> and a, a PE teacher. And so for one semester, yeah. I started down the teaching path and that didn't work great. But what happened to switch me was I got hurt all the time. I walked on at CSU. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. walked on cross country track team and I wasn't very good. And so I, I was stretching like, Bob, if you and I were on the same team and you're one of the all Americans. I'm trying to keep up with you. That's just, we're all made that way when you get to that yeah. point. Yeah. And, and, but I couldn't. And so I would get injured. So anyway, I ended up in the athletic training room all the time. I didn't mm-hmm. even know there were athletic trainers and I'd never heard of physical therapy, frankly, but being in the training room, you're like, well, this is kind of, is this a job? And, <laughs> and so I started asking questions and then I met with somebody who said, you know, get your ATC in undergrad. And this is back when you could do that in an internship type thing yeah. and then go to physical therapy school. So ended up changing to biology. And okay. that was where that first degree came from. So I didn't, I didn't have a love for biology. I not sure I still do, but anyway, <laughs> uh, went that way because it was the best way to get into physical therapy school. So mm-hmm. that was the draw there. Um, and then went to Washington school of medicine for physical therapy school and then got an MBA. I think, I was 30-ish. Um, again, just curious, wanted to understand the business side of this whole thing that we're doing. It was night classes. It was before the the executive MBA existed. So it was just mm-hmm. one class every semester for about three and a half years, night classes, mm-hmm. the whole thing. And then, like you said, when I was 50, I decided I I want to get this. And And frankly, where the PhD... A lot of it was curiosity and a lot of it was looking forward in my life. We'll, we'll, I think uh, we may dip our toes into the idea of a clear personal vision. And one of the things that I always thought I would be doing in my 60s, 70s, 80s, if I'm around then, is be involved in encouraging people on the endurance side, being out there in the Ironmans with them, in the the marathons, that kind of stuff. And I kept getting injuries and I thought, well, what if I'm not? What mm. What then does my life look like in my 70s? And it came back to, I love teaching. I love helping these kids, this next generation. So what does that require? 
Well, that requires a PhD. So one, the PhD was kind of a 50-50. One, very, very curious. Why was my mental toughness so up and down throughout this event or the series of events? And then what does that clear vision look like later? And what will that require that'll allow me to do the things that maybe y'all want to do at that point? So that's kind of where those came from. That's amazing. How long did it take to go through the PhD program? I also freaked out my professors. They're like, <laughs> who is, like I, I start at the same time as a couple other folks. And six years later, they were still wrapping things up. I was done in about three years. But wow. it's because I was paying wow. for it. I, I guess the difference. Right, I, right. I've got a yeah. buddy. We we have a, a track group up here in Fort Collins, and and I've got a buddy that's in his last year of his PhD. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. How's it going? He's like, oh, I just wanted to keep lasting. I'm like, hmm. I think that's the difference between being paid and you doing the payment. Because I was totally like, guys, we got to get this done because I can't afford to keep paying the school for yeah, this. So, so exactly. Anyway, yeah, it was about three years. Okay. Okay. So what, what led you? Cause, cause, okay. So we've got your path, but we, you, you kind of mentioned the whole mental toughness. And I think a lot of our listeners, they, I, I, and even myself, it, it's kind of a, a very broad term, isn't it? I mean, people yes. think of different things. So what, like, can you just explain like, what is mental toughness? Yeah. Let, let's kind of set the context. Whenever I do a talk on FMT, which is stands for functional mental toughness, it's it's we had four studies published, all incorporating that term, that phrase, trying to introduce it to the literature. And I, I think it gets mixed up a lot with resilience and grit. Mm-hmm. So let me set the stage with those three in a really simple way that all your listeners will be like, oh, that totally makes sense. So resilience is past. Resilience is what came before. So if you had a really, uh, let's go to the extreme, uh, an abusive childhood, and it was awful. Like you wouldn't wish that on anyone. It breaks a lot of people. It really destroys lives. It's horrible. However, if you are able to come through that, you bring that past, that resilience from your past into your presence, gives you that extra something. And you see that in some of these top athletes. So resilience Mm -hmm. is past. Grit, if you've read Angela Duckworth's book or, or dug into some of her research on the subject, it's about the future. It's about the cons- mm-hmm. the long-term commitment to finishing out whatever it is that you're, you've got your eye on. It might be school, it might be a work, career, wh- whatever you're doing. So we've got resilience past, we've got grit future, FMT is the present. And that's what mm-hmm. I love about it. And wow. so you 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 able we we go through this model. It, it's built around thrive, prepare, and activate. We can get into that if you'd like to, but those are things that you can be doing either in the weeks, months, maybe leading up to when you're going to need it, or in the two days prior, or even on the day of the event. And so one of the things I love about our model is it gives you options, no matter where you are. So if your life just has not thrived, the, the thrive piece is the broader aspects of life that prepares the weeks leading up to it. But even if those haven't gone well, or maybe you haven't connected with them yet, or they didn't see the videos we've done on or whatever, you still have some tools you can use on the day of the race. There's still some things standing at their starting line where the gun's about to sound. There's still some tools you can implement, even if you forgot didn't know about, left out, whatever the first two pieces. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you could go into those pillars more, Brad, of the FMT model. So uh, thrive and prepare and then action, I think is the third one. Yeah. Activate. Could you, exactly. Yeah. And maybe if we do 
just for sake of of some example or scenario, putting sure. it in some sort of athletic context, you can pick sure, what sure. that context is or what that person might look like. So the first thing to think about is right in the middle of the diagram, and I don't know if I sent that to you, but right in the middle of the diagram, there's this FMT bank. And it's literally, I mean, think of it as a bank account. With your bank account, you want to make sure that you fill that thing up. You want as much money in that bank account as you can possibly get. Same with your FMT. You're not going to use FMT for everything. Hopefully your listeners right now are not using FMT. They're just like, yeah, that's cool. I'm enjoying this. And some people will never use FMT. You don't need it. You can get through life just fine without it. FMT is what you utilize to go beyond your previous baseline, to go beyond what you've set physically, mentally, performance-wise, relationally, connections with others, FMT gives you the extra edge. I like to call it the icing on the cake. It's not the cake. You can't not train, show up to the race, and think FMT is going to carry you. But if you do your training like you normally do, the FMT will allow you to do a little bit better. And so that's yeah. it's the icing on the cake. It's not the cake. So in that bank, we want to fill up that bank as much as we can, just like we do with our regular bank account. We want to limit the leakage. And what I mean by that is... You, you know how you get your bank statement and you're like, what is this $2 charge they did? Like I, this, I didn't buy anything for $2 and it's because you did whatever or you didn't do whatever. Mm-hmm. Same thing with mental toughness. Let's not waste it on stuff we don't have to use it on. So an athletic example with that would be the day of the race. You just, you said you just did a, a trail marathon. Don't, don't spend your FMT that morning thinking, what time should I leave? I wonder where I should park. What should I wear that day? Which shoes am I going to use that day? You know, fueling. I've been kind of filling with my fueling. Should I go with this one or this Mm -hmm. one? I don't know. Don't stop. Like figure that out a week before. Don't, that should be off the tape. The only thing you want that day is the race. You want to put all your bank account into that race. So you want to limit the leakage in your FMT. Don't, don't let it drain off for stuff. That's just stuff you could have taken care of before. And then the last one is that activate, or I'm sorry, the last piece of the bank is you want to be able to access it when you need it. Again, we don't yeah. use it for everything. We don't use it much at all. Some people never use it. But when you want it, if it's just sitting in there, if it's locked into a CD, for example, in our money example, and our refrigerator breaks down, we're like, Ugh. same thing here. You've got to know how to access it. And that's where the Thrive, Prepare, Activate piece pieces fit in. So then from there, you have those three pieces that you mentioned. Thrive. That's overall life. That's Catalyst Coaching 360. We provide coaching for employers and we train people that want to be coaches, as you mentioned earlier. And we talk a lot about the four cornerstones and that's move, fuel, rest, and connect. That is thrive. That's how you thrive. You focus on move, fuel, rest and connect. Those are the cornerstones. There's a lot of little things we can fiddle with. There's a lot of margins we can trim along the edges, but if you're focused on move, fuel, rest, connect, you will likely enhance your ability to thrive. So, so that's that we found in our research that for example, when your sleep is better, your FMT is better. When you're eating better, your FMT is better. When your connection with others is better, the key people in your life, your MT is better. So that's the thrive piece. That's setting your life up to allow you to have the biggest, most full FMT bank account you possibly can. The prepare piece is those things in the, you pick it, six weeks, two weeks, three weeks, whatever, 
prior to this event. And when I say event, that could be final exams. That could be a budget meeting. That could be a tough conversation with your teenager. That could be anything that is your your life, the things that you need that extra, or I shouldn't say need, but you would like to get that extra boost, that's your event. So when you hear me use that word, everybody, just translate that to whatever is your thing. The conversation, the budget meeting, the the presentation, the or the actual athletic event. And then those are things like callousing. So the example I shared earlier about staring at the target for whatever, that was callousing. So that when I was out on the road and I couldn't hear my one-eared iPod for a period of time because of the wind or Jerry needed me to go for a little bit longer in that thing and I needed to focus, I'd already calloused to a point to that. When, when you send somebody out to the track, that you're callousing. You're running. If you're going to run your race at six-minute miles, you're doing your 400s at 520s. So you're callousing that speed. Or when you go out and do a tempo run, maybe it's a little bit faster, but you're staining it for a longer period, but not as long as the race. You're callousing that. So that would be an example. Um, challenge threat. I, I, have you two addressed challenge threat in your podcast at all? Because if not, it's pretty cool stuff. Mm -hmm. no. uh, your listeners will be intrigued by this. Um, some of the researchers that we've interviewed about it, um, Noel Brick has written a lot about it, and Carla Mann. They're both in the UK. and but there's a lot of people that have researched this. Um, Samuel Marcora, I think, has done some things on it as well out of Italy. But challenge threat is, <laughs> if if Bob, if you and I are the exact same, if we're twins, identical twins, yeah, same everything, but you go into fill in the blank, whatever your event is, mm -hmm. saying I, I'm 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 excited about this challenge, and I'm going into it saying oh, it's a threat, like I don't know, you're heart actually pumps more effectively than mine. Your blood vessels extend just a little bit and allow that blood to pump through more effectively. And so we're getting the, the challenge threat is this idea of practice seeing things as a challenge versus a threat. I'm not a good mountain bike rider. In fact, I'm not even a mountain bike rider. But when I get my gravel bike out and I'm seeing some rocks come, I've noticed, this is where I've seen it come out the most. I've noticed where sometimes I'm like, uh-oh, what am I going to do? And and then I ride worse. Whereas sometimes you go, all right, here we go. Let's get these rocks. And then you better. And then it's that's it's that kind of thing, whatever it is that you're pursuing. So, so challenge threat would be another one that you could start practicing in advance as part of this preparation phase. And then the last one is the activate. And the activate is we're standing on the starting line. It's about the gun's about to sound or we're at mile three. What are some of the things we can do? And self-talk is is a really fun one. It, if folks haven't looked into this, look into it. We did a couple studies on self-talk. My favorite one, we had these three female athletes that I can't thank them enough. They're amazing. They're kind. They got up and met me at the track 15 times over about a three-month period and ran an 800 as hard as they possibly could. And so all of that sounds horrible, right? 15 times running 800, <laughs> doing it over three months, but they did this. They were, they were amazing. And what we found was fascinating because the first four or five, they, we varied it based on the person. We wanted to hit a plateau because anyone, if you run more 800, you get faster. Like that's just a thing. But th once they plateau, once we found, okay, they've improved. Now they've plateaued. Then we added a self-talk strategy. 
And so not from their beginning effort, but from their plateaued effort, we checked to see what difference did self-talk make? Oh my gosh, it was unbelievable. And and I don't want to over-exaggerate this because our sample size was three people. So let's not pretend like we had a sample size of 500. These were not Olympic athletes. They were good athletes, very good athletes, but but they weren't Olympic. And so you can't extrapolate this to you know, elite or, or Olympic level folks. But we know that caffeine has a 2.3% impact on performance on average. And these three women averaged a 9% improvement in their wow. times. Yeah. That's yeah. It amazing. was super cool. It was super cool. So folks don't miss out on the self-talk. We know it works. And there are two, uh, just for basic introduction on self-talk, there are two different styles. You can do informational self-talk, that's where if I'm out the track, uh, I might be saying things like re- relax your jaw. Let's drive with the arms. You know, that kind of, it's, in, you're, it's almost like a coach giving you instruction. And then there's motivational self-talk. And that's more, come on, Coop, you got this. You can do this. Come on, buddy. And, and they found, it's really interesting. You, you two know who Alex Hutchinson is. We had him on the podcast mm-hmm. a couple of times. And he, he's done a lot of writing for Outside Magazine. And, and he highlighted the study where you've got this is more effective than I've got this. Mm, and like the, I heard the that. theory is it's like your buddies out there cheering you on versus you just saying, okay, I, I got this. I can do this. I mm-hmm. so so anyway, that, that's off track. But but that's some of the things that that fit into the activate piece. And there's a bunch more, but that's a good starting point. This is really interesting because so I wrote down a few notes, Brad, because I know I know listeners will be thinking the same thing I'm thinking is the model makes total sense. Yes, they're they're trying to grasp it a little bit more. The immediate question, and I just want to reiterate, because I think I did hear you say this, but I just want to reiterate for our listeners to fill up the FMT, the quote unquote bank. We really focus on what you mentioned. The is it it is it focusing on the movement, um, the fuel, the rest, the connect. Is that how we fill up the bank? Yes. And then the prepare phase, you could either say it it's filling it up or it's enhancing what you put in there. Okay. You could look at it okay. either way. Gotcha. So, preventing leakage as well. Yes. Preventing leakage. Exactly. Yeah. Limit the leakage. So, exactly. Good. So a lot of what Dean and I do as sport dietitians is obviously help people progress through different behaviors, right? I.e. nutrition related, um, body transformation related, whatever it is, right? We yeah. help yeah, through yeah. behaviors. So another thing I picked up is the self-talk. I really grasped on that because I think all of us do that as athletes, right? But sometimes we don't do that when we're trying to change a behavior. We're just doing in the moment of being an athlete. So can you maybe link like this FMT model with behavior change? Can you, can you provide some linkage there? Like some connections? Yeah. And I'll give you a new phrase you can fiddle around with. So your listeners can have in their brains. Uh, It's the concept that I've been talking a little bit about recently or writing about called freed will. Free You've will. heard of free will. We talk yeah. about free yep. will all the time. We got all these yep. people out there trying to make their name for themselves, talking about, do we have free will? Do we not free will? Whatever. You, that's, that doesn't influence my life. As far as I'm concerned, I do. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So I'm starting from a point of there's free will, but is there freed will? And that's a different question. So you two know, because of what you do and how you help people with their lives, that almost everything we do in a day is on autopilot. 
it's something like 93%, 95%, depending on who you are. So you don't think yeah. about when you have your coffee. You don't think about lunch. You don't think about how you drive to work. You don't think about what stations you listen to or podcast. It's, it's just autopilot. And so we do all the same things every single day. And the less freed will we have, the less likely we are to notice critical moments, opportunities when we can tweak it, when we can go, oh, wait, I don't have to eat that at this time. This is a critical moment. And I've got the freed will to allow me to make a better choice. So what feeds our freed will? A couple of things. I think the FMT allows us to recognize and build off of those critical moments. So I, I'm convinced most people never recognize critical moments because they're on survival mode. And when you're on survival mode, you, you, you just uh, autopilot's all there is. I, I just want to get to the end of the day. I just want to get to the end of the week. Just get me to Friday, man. When you increase your FMT, you start tuning into, well, wait a minute. Yeah, it's a Monday. What can I do different on a Monday? I had this, not me personally, one of our clients, we serve employers generally for our coaching. And we had a, a client that we interviewed for this thing. And, and we were like, what's your secret? She said, never miss a Monday. And I was like, hmm, hmm. What? Like, what do you mean? And she said, well, I, I used to say I was going to work out. And then I'd miss a Monday and I'd be like, yeah, I miss Monday. I'll, I'll just next week I'll get started. And she said, never miss a Monday. Cause if you never miss a Monday, then if you miss a Tuesday, not a big deal. You can back, back on track Wednesday. You still got a couple in, but if you miss Monday. So, so anyway, so many people blow off Monday and I've come to the belief that Monday's the, the glory day. Like that's, that's the day day. If you can make Monday awesome in whatever way, loving your wife, getting a good workout in, you know, eating different, make Monday glorious and you can kind of screw up a little bit the rest of the week, but you didn't miss Monday. So I'll never yeah. forget her saying that. I love that. I, I have not seen any research showing the value of Monday, but oh my goodness, I love that. Um, and now I've completely forgotten your question. Oh yeah. So the critical <laughs> moments, the critical moments. And then the other thing to keep tabs on in, in the diagram I've created on this and Dean, I can send this to you if I haven't already is there's this clamp. So if you picture uh, the the sensory input coming in, so the sound, the sight, the yelling from your boss, so whatever, we we it's stimulus response. We always think, oh yeah, we're mammals. We have stimulus response. Well, kind of, we have stimulus and then this microsecond and then response. And within that microsecond, we create these simulations based on our past history, our background, our struggles, our support systems, our education, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we respond. And usually that response is autopilot. And then we just started over. When we recognize the critical moment, then we have an opportunity, and this is the key, opportunity to go into freed will. Now, why freed will? All right, let's say, let's just say, for example, uh, Dean, I'll just use you as an example. This is not your life, but I'm going to pretend like it's your life. All right. So you get up in the morning, your car works every other day. Uh, your roommate yells at you all the time. Your neighborhood is super filled with alarms and police cars driving by at two in the morning. Your dog is a wreck and chews everything up. You don't have food in your fridge. You're just getting by. You go to work where someone yells at you all the time. Then you sit in traffic and you, 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 it's like it's hot. You're on survival mode. Mm -hmm. You don't have as much freed will if 
if that's your life A and your second life, your your life B, your doppelganger life is you get up, there's healthy food in the fridge, you had a good sleep because your your house is quiet, you're you get outside and get some sunshine in the morning, then you drive to work, you know your car is going to work, you love your work, you you take a little break, blah 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 blah. You have a lot more free will, and and Dina B, of course she's finding time to exercise and eat well and sleep well and develop relationships. Dina A, no fault of her own in many cases. It's just a hard life. And so as coaches, I think we have to be careful because oftentimes I think we sit back on our, our high horse and we're like, you, you should be working out. And they're like, dude, you have no, I, I'm working two jobs. I'm a single mom. I'm barely getting by with the budget, you know, come on, seriously. So what, what I think we can do on the behavior change side, Bob, to answer your question is mm-hmm. if we can help them free, create more freed will through some of the basics. Let's let's start with sleep. Let's not even start with losing weight. Let's not even start with exercise. Let, let's just get 20 more minutes of sleep. And then you know what happens? They all get better. They all get better. Like how cool is that? So, and, and then the three things in the diagram, Dean and I can send you is the time, money, and health. Those are the, it's like a clamp when, when, when we're limited in time, if we're just getting through the day, then we have less freed will opportunity. When our health is poor, we have less ability to utilize that freed will. When, when our, when we're in debt, we have less ability to tap into that freed will. So time, money, and health are the clamps that limit the freed will, even when we recognize those critical moments. I love the never miss a Monday, Brad. And I'll tell you why. Because every Monday, whenever I talk to someone, and I even, it's not a rule that I have, but I always either end my email or text, or if it's in person, I always say, hey, happy Monday. And people look at me like I am the biggest alien they've ever seen in the world. They're like, why are you putting those two words in the same sentence, same phrase? I'm like, on purpose. (laughs) I mean, but let's call it magical Monday. If you can get things moving on Monday, Totally. Your life is, you're, dude, like, yeah, this is good. It's going to be a yeah. good week. And maybe it's not going to be a good week, but we had one good day. And it kind of sets up, you know, kind of relating it back to nutrition. You know, it for people who do meal prep, they usually do it on the weekend to prep for Monday. They try to get better sleep on Sunday to prep for Monday, you know, so it's, it's inherent, but yeah, to your point, like, it's, I love that challenge versus threat thing because also, and this isn't really nutrition related, although it could be, you know, a lot of people think of their week as threats instead mm-hmm. of challenges. Mm-hmm. And they also think of their nutrition goals as threats yes. instead of challenges. And that's a lot of work that I do with athletes psychologically is say, this is not a threat. You know, they're, it's, it's more of a challenge. And if you accept the challenge, then we're going to actually progress, you know, maybe differently down that behavior change pathway than versus a threat. So I, I love just, just the, the, the nomenclature and the work within that space. Cause I think a lot of people just are black and white with that. That's amazing. I wonder too, how this ties Brad to something you've talked about before related to the who or maybe identity Mm. focus. Mm. So when we're looking at goals, whether they're nutrition related, health related or whatnot, Mm. it's just kind of, it's a different orientation or a different perspective. And I love how all these things link together, (laughs) but I wondered if you could, if it does tie to some of these models and things, if you could get us there a bit, because it's super fascinating. Well, I, I think 
in, in what all of us do, we're hearing people constantly talk about goals. Oh, I'm going to set this goal or this is my goal. And, and I always ask people, let's take a little step back. Let, let's talk vision. Instead of what is Brad going to accomplish, who is Brad becoming? Who, 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 is, who is this person named Brad a year from now? And how clear is that vision? We want a crystal clear vision of who I am becoming, what life I'm living, what that looks like. And the really amazing thing, Dina, is once you have that, the goals almost achieve themselves. They almost, they, because I'm not thinking I need to do X, I should do Y. We're thinking I'm becoming a healthy, fit, energetic, encouraging individual doing this in my life with these people in this place. I'm moving toward this person that is, is right there, not too far out that this person. And, and then the goals I've almost, I used to be like Mr. Goal setter, you know, here's my list of, t- I, I, when Suzanne and I first got married, we celebrate 31 years of, of marriage today, actually. And when oh, we first got married, she realized how weird her husband was. I would have these like spreadsheets of goals that I had for the week, <laughs> for the month, for the quarter, for the year. And, and I had them magneted to our bathroom mirror. And I'm sure this, she's like, her, her eyes are like super strong because she has to roll them all the time. And I think it started very early on with those spreadsheets. And, and so that used to be me. And, and I've, I, I don't know that I've really set many goals lately. <laughs> And I feel like life is in the best place it's been in a very long time, but I'm, I'm really, really, really focused on the vision piece for the last, I think 11 or 12 years. I've, I've created this visual that I literally hang in my office for the year, reminding me of this is the, and and I'll usually start working on that around November of the year before. And by January, it's ready to rock and roll. I'll go through 10 or 15 iterations and have some pictures and visuals and all this stuff. And eventually pop it into this one pager I can sit in front of me. And, and that's the vision. So Dana, to answer your question, the vision, if we're really clear on this is the person I'm becoming, then that influences everything. I, it's very, <laughs> e- I, don't, I don't have to think about, do I want to eat this donut? Well, yeah, donuts are delicious, but that's not who I am. Like I don't, I don't struggle with donuts. I guess not. If there's, we could have a dozen donuts sitting on our counter right now. And I just walk by them. Like, it's not a, Oh, do I want the donut? Yes. I want the donut. How am I going to fight this? I got to get that FMT kicked in. How do I do that? No, I'm not a donut eater. I'm a healthy, fit, energetic, encouraging individual. That's not a person who eats donuts. Cause that doesn't give you the energy and the sustenance to do the things to be that person. So it's it to answer your original question. It's it's the be versus the do. It's who am I becoming versus what boxes am I going to check off? Mm-hmm. And then everything flows more easily from that. All the aforementioned models and things that you've been, exactly. or the aspects, it's like yes. are more easy or facilitated by understanding the the be is such a great. Right. I think it's a different paradigm shift for sure. Um, but well, one that's much more effective. I'm 57 now. And so some of my peer group, like we meet with some different groups here in, in Fort Collins and, and talk about different things. And and oftentimes people are talking about, well, you know, I, I need to 
do this in retirement. I need to do this to get to retirement. And and it's so funny because the other day we were having this conversation about seven of us sitting around and this woman said something like that. And I said, could I just ask a quick question? Just have you ponder this. And, and basically what we just talked about, in, instead of what you want to try to accomplish by next year, who who are you? Like, who who are you going to be a year from now? And she, her eyes, you should have seen her. And she's just like, oh my God. She said, I need to sit with that. Like, I need to grab my journal. I need to start. Like, that's the answer. Once you have that crystal clear, everything else takes care of itself. It's not hard anymore. You don't struggle because that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. Are there a few things that our listeners could do, Brad, to help them with that? Who am I? You know, who I want to be? Like just low hanging fruit kind of things. Yeah, I'll and I can send you a link. We did a okay. podcast episode in I think it was the first one of January on the Catalyst 360 podcast about how mm-hmm. to walk through those steps. So that gets into mm-hmm. the the twenty five minute version of it. But but the short okay. version would be just. Grab a journal or, or a notebook. If you're not a journaler, just a notebook or a tape recorder. Oftentimes I'll go for a, a run with this little digital recorder in my hand. And it's amazing what comes out when you're doing that, mm-hmm. when you have that in your hand. Uh, but but just take a moment. I think we've missed out on reflection in our lives today. I think we've got mm-hmm. all the things to do. But as soon as we have any space, we grab our phone and we check our Instagram account, Facebook, Twitter, email, text, whatever. And so there's zero time for reflection, not because there's zero time for reflection, because, but because we don't take time for reflection. So I think reflection is the big first step, Bob, in terms of create that time. Maybe that's a walk. We interviewed Steve Magnus and I was asking him about his writing style or how he does such an amazing job. And he goes for walks regularly with a little notepad and leaves his phone back behind or turns it on airplane mode so that he can call somebody in emergency. He breaks his leg. He can get somebody, but he doesn't get texts. He doesn't get emails. He can't check his Instagram, et cetera. And and so that's where he does a lot of his note taking. That's his reflection time. If we can create that in our lives, you'll be amazed. If you just, we, we live out the questions we ask ourselves. So Mm -hmm. if I'm asking myself, why am I such an idiot? Well, we're going to get it. The brain's going to answer that question. Why am I so overweight? Well, brain's going to answer that question. Why am I not exercising? Brain's going to answer that question. Go down the list. But if instead we're asking, who's the person I want to become? I mean, that's just a refreshing question. How can you not go for a walk with that question in your head and just feel good about life? Like, who yeah. is the person I'm becoming? Ah, oh, wonderful. I have to say, like, my wife and I do frequent walks and, uh, you know, with our dogs and stuff. And, you know, same thing. Like, we bring our phones for our kids, like, just in case, that kind of thing. But we have these kind of discussions. We don't phrase them that way, but it, it is. It's really reflecting on mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Some of our best connections are on those walks when we just, it's not about, oh, hey, how was your day? How was your day? It was like, where where are you? Where where are we going? Who are you? Who do you, who do you want to be next year? So I I love that that message is so important. And listeners, you might be thinking, why aren't they talking about nutrition? We actually are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like for sure. if you yeah, really you really if you really think about this, yeah. like becoming you, and it is because everything we do stems with who am I? Who I want to be? Who I want to to kind of represent, if you will. But oh my gosh, it's just. Very I mean, this is why I love talking to you, Brad. It's just like, oh, <laughs> it probably I had that epiphany like that lady in your group was like, oh my gosh, I need to really, really marinate this for a while. Yes. 
Well, and Susan and I will do this for so for the last about decade. Susan is my wife. Um, and for the last decade, approximately, we've been taking one weekend a year. We're about to do it actually in two weeks. And no internet, no Wi-Fi. We're just, it's up in the mountains. We don't have access to our phones. It's nothing. And and we talk to all the various aspects of our lives. So our business, we run our business together. She's she's incredible. Suzanne is amazing. And so having the two of us to talk about our business, we talk about our marriage. We talk about our kids. We have three growing kids, all married. Um, we love their spouses. We love time with our family. What does that look like? We're grandparents for the first time now, not as of nine months ago. What does that oh look God, like? Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we talk about our finances. So we, we just yeah. kind of work through all the various aspects of life in the context of what you're talking about. But by having that time away, it's it's really been powerful and we wouldn't miss it now. Like it's it's huge. And sometimes there's hard conversations. That it's not just yeah. all yeah. sunshine and, and rainbows right. or whatever the saying is. It, it yeah. sometimes it's, you know, this is not working. What are we gonna do different? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at least you're talking about it and it's not suddenly yeah. blowing up in the middle of June when She's mad about something and I didn't even know it was a thing. It's all on the table. We figure yeah. it out together because we're in this together. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And, and you know, I feel all of us are. To I mean, that's that kind of that that connect that you were talking about earlier and connecting oh, yeah. to whoever, your partner, your spouse, totally. your friends, your social network, whoever it is, right? Exactly. Let's, let's do a complete... A complete turnaround here because our listener, because I'm I'm kind of fascinated too, but I know our <laughs> listeners are like, wait a second. So this guy, Brad, opened up like the fittest CEO, Ironman, Ram, and all this stuff. <clears throat> I'm dying to know, as I'm sure our listeners are, can we kind of transition to Brad and his nutrition? Sure. Yeah, yeah. You, you mind? Okay. Not, not at all. So do um, you have... Yeah. Do you have a typical day of nutrition you follow or philosophy or what? what's going on in Brad's nutrition life? Yeah, I say not a philosophy. I autopilot everything up until din- dinner. So okay. I don't think about food, drink, or snack until dinner time. So uh-huh. a typical day, get up, go for a run, hit the gym, whatever, and then maybe a cup of coffee. It's usually coffee before the gym, after the run. So that's kind of my okay. coffee routine. And then yep. I I do a protein drink, um, just a couple of scoops, about 30 grams. I, I kind of follow that 1.4 yeah. Grams per kg per day. So I'm trying yep. to get about a hundred. I, I weigh about buck fifty. So I'm trying to get about a yeah. hundred grams a day of protein. So I'll, I'll get 30 in, in the morning, a little scoop of creatine, a lot of interesting research on not just the physical, but the cognitive aspects of creatine now. Mm-hmm. So I've been yep. doing that for the last couple of years. Um, and a, a scoop of the greens, you know, whatever brand you, you like with that. Um, yeah. so that's my morning. And then lunchtime. Again, it's autopilot. I, I I do not think about lunch. I literally walk up, pull out, uh, put together this massive salad, and Susanna laughs at me. I use those big casserole dishes, and I just yep. fill it with all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff and whatever space is left over. I, I throw you know some kind of spring green or kale or or spinach or a mix in there, and then a protein source of some sort. And fish is an easy one. I can have a a pack of salmon or tuna or whatever. Throw that in there. Get another twenty thirty. Throw some nuts in with it. Um, maybe have some kefir with it. But l- lunch is is autopilot. Uh, uh, olive oil for dressing. So olive oil, salt, and pepper for my dressing, if you will. 
And then afternoon snack is handful of almonds and a square of 90% dark chocolate. I, I, it's, yeah. it's just so autopilot. I, there's no pondering <laughs> or thinking or searching or it. wondering or curious. And then dinner, Susan and I, it just depends. You know, sometimes yeah. we're having people over. Sometimes we go down to old town and just wander around and go out to dinner. Uh, so dinner is whatever it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's fun. Yeah. So, so I, I think that's an encouraging, and you're probably already doing this with your clients, but for listeners, if you can autopilot 80% of your day, it's kind of like never miss a Monday, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I'm on a dialed in positive approach from 6am to 5.36pm, well, I can screw up a lot. And I still focus on the stuff that you guys would generally for dinner. But if I don't, all right, no biggie. Yeah. Has that changed since you were really like in height of your competitive years? And not saying you're not competitive now, but when you were doing no, the fantasy, you know, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you you take in a lot more carbs because if you're training 25 hours a week versus 11, right. I'm probably training about 10, 11 hours a week now just for fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. when you're doing 20, 25 hours a week for an Ironman or Ram or something, you just need calories. Like you just got to yeah. put it in. So, so yeah, probably right. a lot more carbs to, to fill in those gaps. Um, one of the things I've been doing more the last couple of years, I don't know if you know, Chris Lowry's work out of CU Boulder, but he talks a lot of, we had him at our coaching retreat and symposium and he was on our podcast mm-hmm. and he talks about the, the rainforest creation in your gut microbiome. Oh, right. And, mm-hmm. and it's so interesting because we've talked forever about you need X servings of vegetables and fruits. And now we're leaning yeah. towards, well, let's do a little less of the fruits and let's mainly talk vegetables. And, and, but, but, but we're still talking about servings per day. And he says, stop. Like, that's not yeah. a thing. We yeah, want variety. Totally. variety. So totally. it's better to have 30 different fruits and veggies in your week than it is to have seven green peppers and cucumbers. You got your seven. But they were all cucumbers and green, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with cucumbers and green peppers. Yeah. But yeah. so, so what I've been doing with that is we'll just go to like a Whole Foods or, or someplace that has the, you know, a thousand different veggies sitting out to do your salad bar. And yeah. we'll just take one of those big giant boxes and do a spoonful of everything. Yeah. Throw Love in the it. box and then take it home, stick it in the fridge. And throughout the week, we'll just each take a spoonful and throw it in our salad that day at lunch. And it gives us that variety. So, because you think, how am I going to get 30 varieties in a week? Like Cooper, yeah. seriously, that's yeah. impossible. It's actually not like once you put that in place, it's super affordable. You spend yeah. like eight bucks on this box and then you got it for the week. And then you've created this easy way of getting. So that's one of the things I've started doing differently in the last okay. year or two. And that's a huge golden nugget because a lot yeah. of the, I guess, feedback and, and, you know, kind of pushback I get from people is, oh no, same thing. Like we have those microbiome discussions and like, I can't do that instead of, I can't, you know, how can I, and that's an easy ask way of right how question. can I, yep. yeah. Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. going to that salad, it's, it's genius, right? Cause then yeah. you're not intimidated by all these vegetables. You have no idea how to prepare skin, cook, whatever. And now oh, all the leftovers, all the open yeah. jars or whatever, Totally, it, you totally. have none of that. Like there's zero, you run out around Thursday and then you go do it yep. again. Yep. <laughs> I love that. Love yeah, it. that is amazing. Oh, you mentioned creatine, Brad. Is yeah. there any other supplement you take or? I, I do. Well, magnesium before bed. So I'll do one okay. magnesium before bed. Mm-hmm. And in the winter time, I'll do a vitamin D supplement Okay, so, yeah. because I'm not outside as much. During the summer, I'm outside, you know, an hour or two a day. So vitamin D is fine. And then I do do a blood test every about 18 months. 
and really pull the covers back, really dig into not just your typical, what your, your doc says, oh yeah, Good. your blood sugar's fine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to yeah. know like, what's this and what's yes. this? And so I, I have a, a doc I meet with that really digs into those details and that might add something, Dina. So if yeah. I saw there's a, a deficiency in X, I would add X for a while retest, see if it's back to normal. So I'm a big believer in let your, your blood guide you and not the, <laughs> not the Twitter person. Exactly. Yeah. The test yeah. don't guess approach. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Exactly. Great phrase. Yes. Excellent. Love it. Love it. Well, Brad, we have so many amazing golden nuggets to take home and process. And listeners, I have a funny feeling you're going to be listening to this episode repeatedly. But Brad, do we <laughs> cover every, I mean, you know, we talk for hours on this, but is there anything else you want to add that we just really didn't touch on that much that you think would be of value based on the discussion we just had? I would say just to, we, we had so many loose ends that we threw out there. So folks, right. I apologize. We, we chase rabbits all day. You get, mm-hmm. you do, this is really fun to chat. It's great to see you. Yeah. I, I would say just summary wise, if you're trying to decide where do I start, like with all these things that Brad threw out and these two were talking about, where do I start? I, I would encourage you maybe make sleep the first one because oh, almost yes. everyone, not everyone, but almost everyone and you'd be amazed, just a tiny bit of a change, 15, mm-hmm. 20, 30 minutes can make a huge difference. And we've got the time. I, I know so, there are exceptions. There are some of you that are like literally, again, single mom, two kids, you're trying, you're just run, 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 run. But almost all of us have time to turn off the Netflix just a little bit earlier, to put our phone away a little bit earlier, whatever. I mean, we can almost always. And and the cool thing is, if you can get that 30 more minutes of of sleep, you're going to make better food choices the next day. The studies yes. are out there. I, I think it's something like 43% more likely to eat healthy the following day after a good sleep versus a poor sleep. So yeah. if we can just enhance that a little bit, but your relationships will get better. I, I'm teaching a finance class in our community, just open to the community right now. And sleep influences your money choices. Sleep yeah. influences your relations interactions. Like So I would encourage with that whole FMT thing, that is part of that thrive element. That's going to enhance that. It's going to allow you to follow up on all the things that Dina and Bob are talking about. I would encourage that to be, if you're struggling with where do I start with all these things, I would encourage you to look for that extra 20 to 30 minutes, see how you're doing and move forward based on that. And then as I'm saying that, I just thought of one other thing we didn't even touch on. Have you played around with HRV much? Because I think that's we, a wonderful yeah, yeah. review. For sure. I've been using that as a nice how to, because you always want to fiddle with it. I always talk about better than yesterday. That's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. You, I, I I may not be as fast as this person, but I can be faster than I was yesterday. And yes. HRV, so I'm I'm constantly fiddling with, oh, let me do a little bit more of this or a little less of that or tweak this or do this. And the HRV allows me, I just assess it each morning, 60 seconds, use this little app that Marco Altini created. And mm-hmm. it's just a easy way to see, is it working? Because if it's not, yeah. let's do something different. Yeah. Got to react to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Well, and we'll put all of this information in our show notes and how to contact you, your your Catalyst 360 podcast, because again, just a wealth of information. We do want to finish with something. If you don't mind, Brad, these are fire rapid what? fire fire questions. We call I am them all uh, yours, my five. friend. So we, this is a way for our listeners to learn a little bit about the the other fun side of Brad. Uh-oh. So we're just going to go boom, 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 right? Perfect. All right. 
First question, what's your favorite post-workout meal or snack? I would go with what I mentioned earlier, 30 grams of protein, protein five grams yep. or milligrams of creatine, some greens, yep. throw it in there, shake it up, rock and roll. Love it. Easy peasy. All right. Question number two, could you give us a brief, like ideal start to your work day? What are the things that you do prior to getting fired up for your work day? And I mean, oh, I, I suppose that yeah. is your workout because yeah, you mentioned yeah. that that's a, a primary. I mean, a, a perfect, else? yeah, a perfect day would be I wake up early enough to make time for everything. And that first piece is you walk in to the dog's room and you greeter and our, we have an Australian shepherd. So anyone who knows oh. Australian shepherds know every day is the best day ever. <laughs> I'm yes. so excited about today. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> so you immediately have a smile on your face and then walk out, make a cup of coffee, pull the journal out, do some thinking, reflecting, writing, uh, watch the sun. We, we face the East. So we watch the sun come oh. up over the horizon every morning nice. and it is just unbelievable and i think oh. including that gratefulness mm-hmm. uh faith is very important to me so prayer is a piece of that morning and then moving into that workout and it's either and my work is on autopilot now i'm not training for anything i run four to five times a week i lift three times a week i generally hit the track tuesday nights and it's just autopilot and so and i love it and I want to encourage mm-hmm. your listeners, do not do something because you're supposed to or because yes. you should. Find the joy. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about your workout. I'm talking about your volunteer work. I'm talking about your job. I'm talking about your relationships. If you're if you're volunteering somewhere and, and I say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? You're like, oh, well, I have to help out with that thing I'm volunteering for. Then it's the wrong one. Like it's the wrong one. There's a billion volunteer organizations. Go find one that you are joyful about, that you're excited about. If you go into your workout and you're like, I got to do my long ride today. Stop. No, you don't. You're not a professional. You don't got to do nothing. Go (laughs) find something you love. And, 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 and there's so many options. So until you find that joy in the exercise plan, the fitness plan, you're on the wrong one. And there are days where we just need to put the shoes on and get out the door. I get that. But if yep. you're struggling through it three, four, five, 10, 20 days in a row, folks, seriously, you're not a professional. Just find something you love and live a better life instead of dragging yourself through this stuff. So, yeah. Time to move on with that one for sure. Yeah. 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 All right. Question three. And this, this might be an interesting one. What What's a hobby that most people don't know that you actually do? Digging boulders. Oh, okay. Wait a okay. minute. That's a hobby. A <laughs> so when we moved I, here, we, we I just think that's going to deplete the bank. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. The FMT <laughs> bank. I'm just kidding. So we we when we moved to Fort Collins, we accidentally moved to 35 acres. We were looking for two and somehow stumbled <laughs> across this 35 acres. And, yeah. and we are just loving it. But But I mow this big area for a specific reason I won't get into today, but... um. To mow, there's these large boulders in the way, and yeah. I like keeping the blade on the mower. And so, um, <laughs> I've the dog and I'll go out, and we just got our big thing, and we'll oh. dig these 30, 40, 50 pound <laughs> boulders out of the ground. And we have this big pile of them sitting over oh. to the side, and everybody's like, "What? What is that?" People visit our house. What? What is that pile of boulders over there? And I'm like, "That's the work hard and good times <laughs> boulder pile." So I actually love that. And folks, what what I've discovered about things like that is time is the enemy. 
and now mm-hmm. time's not really the enemy. Time is a wonderful resource. It's an important resource. We need to tune into it. We need to use it. But what I found is I love mowing when I don't have to rush. I love digging mm-hmm. boulders when I don't have to rush. I love yes. my fitness plan when I don't have to rush. So I, I've realizing that in the last year, and I still haven't figured it, but I'm starting to think, okay, so how do I create more margin in my life to allow all of these things to bring joy instead of, oh, I got to go move four boulders or I got to go mow or I got to, it doesn't have to be that way. So, wow. Dina, I don't know if you all had right. too many other people that said moving boulders was a fun hobby. <laughs> that might but... be the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing though. Okay, Brad, question four. You mentioned running a handful of times each week. What is your current brand of running shoes? I always have two different brands going simultaneously, and I always shift every single time I get new shoes. So I will never go back-to-back Brooks, never go back-to-back Nikes, never go back-to-back Saucony's, never go back. I, I My background, I'm a, I was a physical therapist. I'm still licensed, but I haven't treated anybody. So don't ask me any hard questions for a long time. <laughs> but as a physical therapist, it's it's generally the variety that is beneficial to our bodies. So I, when I run on day A, I'm in some, I don't know, I think some Brooks right now. And when I do track sessions, I've got some Saucony's I'm using currently, but six months from now, it might be two different shoes. So I just okay. always have two shoes. I'm, I'm interspersing between them. And then, and then when I race, I, I try to find some flats or something that'll give me that. Hmm little extra opportunity to at least feel faster, even if I'm. Yeah, you can do feel there. faster for sure. Exactly. You are, yeah. <laughs> okay. Last question. You kind of mentioned this for dinner and more importantly, like when you guys go out and stuff, do you have a favorite type of food, like v- favorite ethnicity of food or. I don't, I enjoy okay. sitting with my wife and wherever okay. we're sitting where she, there's, there's this great song that really ties into this uh, idea of who you're with and what you're doing. Yeah. And the, the, the concept is you'll, you're right where I belong. And that is so mm. true for, for me, for meals is I can enjoy a burger. If it's with Susanna, as much as this amazing seafood, as much as Mexican. So it's the people I'm with. We love getting together with our kids. We just, yeah. uh, that is my sweet spot, joy spot. There's, I'm never happier than when the eight of us, now nine of us are sitting down together. So it's yeah. who I'm with more than what I'm eating. I love it. I, I love that to death. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. So many amazing messages, thoughts, uh, just remarks, uh, revelations. I, I could keep going on and on. I, I took a few pages of notes. <laughs> Brad, we so appreciate your time. We would fun. love to have you back in the future just to just to kind of unpack, you know, kind of unpackage some more of this because I do feel like this is going to be such a great asset to all of our listeners. But we do want to thank you from the bottom of our heart. And hopefully we can uh, reciprocate the the opportunity to share with you also. But um no, we just again, we just want to say thank you. Uh listeners, we'll let you know how to get in touch with Brad, his podcast, like you name it. I mean, if you you know gathered anything from this podcast podcast, even if it's one thing, that's our goal, right? Just to make you kind of a better you. And there's so many golden nuggets. So thank you, Brad, so this much for, for joining you. us today. Yeah. Well, and thanks for what this- you two are doing. That's it's important. We we just if we can give people like you said that one nugget to create that better yeah. than yesterday, it's powerful. Exactly. Exactly. So we appreciate that listeners. Appreciate you for sticking around on this awesome 
episode today and we will catch you on our next episode. Thanks for listening. Well, we hope you enjoyed episode 105 where Dina and I sat down and chatted with Dr. Brad Cooper about functional mental toughness. Hopefully you were able to gleam a few things and take some of these wonderful concepts that we chatted about with you into the holiday season. Stay tuned for next week's episode where Dina and I have an Ask Us Anything episode and we are focusing all of it on creatine. So we had some great questions regarding creatine. So we uh, do kind of a, a small little deep dive into creatine next week. So be on the lookout for that. If you do have a sport nutrition related question about anything, creatine, anything really, or if you have a guest that you'd like us to try to have on the episode, just email us hello at insidesportsnutrition.com. Let us know what your question is. Let us know who your guest is. Just let us know anything that you would like us to cover on future episodes. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And don't forget to go to our website, insidesportsnutrition.com. That's where you can find all of our show notes. You can find our sponsor discounts. You can find more information about us. And you can also help us by supporting us and spreading the love, spreading the word of the Inside Sports Nutrition podcast to your friends, to your family members, training partners. We would love it if you went to your podcast platform of choice, reviewed us, gave us a great five-star rating. It just really helps us spread the word around the world. If you would like some more information about what Dina and I do in our respective businesses, head on over to nutritionmechanic.com to see what Dina is up to and head on over to energyperformance.com. That's energyperformance.com to see all the wonderful things that I'm doing. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only. 